Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome back to the In Awe Podcast and our series on teachers. Of course, regular listeners of this podcast will understand why this series is special to me personally, and I hope whether you are joining us for the first time or you've heard all the stories here, that you can feel the mission in this podcast vibrate through each moment of today's episode. Amplifying today's guest is tender and close to my heart, and I know you will absolutely love her story. Janie LaFave is a kindergarten teacher for life with a heart for God. She is a mom to three of her own children and an Organo coffee distributor. Janie says, there is always something to love in every one of us. And if you can't find it, you're not looking hard enough. We sing, we dance, we play, yes, play. And her motto to live by is shine on. I posed the idea to Janie to be featured this month at one of her craziest times of the year, open house, fully expecting that she would shoot me down. This woman is humble, gentle, unassuming. In her words, I am not sure I even have a story to share. I am simple. I am kind. I am silly. I am just me. In this episode, it will be just as clear to my listeners as it is to me that Janie's story is the perfect one for this series, for this moment, for my community. You are in for such a joyous treat as we learn in this episode about an incredible teacher and sister. I am honored to amplify for you Janie LaFave's teacher story. Welcome, Janie LaFave, to the In Awe podcast. I am so excited to have you in this conversation. You have no idea. I am excited to be with you, Sarah. Thanks for inviting me. Janie, by the time we're done with our conversation, people are going to know so much about you and just think the world of you as I do. But would you just do me a favor and share a little bit about your current context for listeners who may not be connected with you already? Sure. Um, I am an educator. I've been a kindergarten teacher for 17 years, and I work in the small town of Shell Lake. I am a mother of three 20-somethings and a dog mom at the moment. A <laughs> <laughs> dog mom to more than one, right? Yeah, I have two puppies and they just bring that spark of joy. When I'm home, I get to have those little bodies all around <laughs> causing trouble. That's awesome. So I want to be clear for our listeners to know that Janie and I are connected in a few different really cool ways. And I have her featured here on the In Awe podcast for the series on teachers. And when I was thinking about who in the world I would want to amplify most. Janie is one of the first that came to my mind. And a large part of that is that little does she know. And of course, she's one of the most modest people I know, but she has had such an impact in my home and in our hearts because I had a little kindergartner who did not like school already. (laughs) And by the time she was done in Janie's classroom, we had a little lady who liked school so much that she liked to play the teacher. So I remember those days, the little teacher in my classroom there. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's the beautiful part about being a teacher is that you have the ability to influence in ways that other people don't. And it's such a unique calling. And so I'm just so excited to open up this conversation and just share with the listeners your light. So Janie, do you want to talk a little bit about what directed you into this lovely world of 17 years of teaching kindergarten? It is a God gift. 
it, it truly came to me as a little kid. Um, I was the one who my parents would, we'd all go to these little work parties that my mom and dad were both factory workers and we'd go to this summer work event and they, everybody would bring their families. And I was always the girl who was like gathering all the children to push them on the swing and take them down the slides. And I just remember in those moments being so young and um, all of those parents looking at me and just being like, thank you. You know, you're, this is so wonderful. And um, just kind of had a calling there to, to work with little kids. And I was little myself. And um, from there, it kind of led me into the direction of teaching and, and here I am today and enjoying every moment. (laughs) That's so good. And, you know, I love your actual story of what brought you to the learning community that, that I live in right now too, because you mentioned that your parents were factory workers. And so do you want to share that connection, you know, in your story to what brought you to where you've been for the last goodness, almost two decades? (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. Um, I started off my, I finished my teaching degree and, um, didn't land my job right away. It took several years to even land a job. I uh, worked factory work myself um, for five years prior to getting this opportunity to be here in Shell Lake. It's just, it's always a God thing for me. It's like I've prayed every day for the path to be lit for me. And and then God just opened that door and whoosh, I was swooped into it. He, I have to tell you the story of of the one particular event that happened. So what brought me exactly here to Shell Lake is um, I kept interviewing, like my husband and I sat down at the map. We lived in Kadat, Wisconsin at the time. That's where our families are from. And we circled the map. And within a 30-mile radius of Kadat, these are the areas that you can apply to. And I was working factory work while I was looking to pursue this this career. And um, one little interview slipped or I applied up here in, in Shell Lake and it slipped out and they actually phone called. They gave me a phone call and they said, Hey, would you mind coming up to interview? And Travis, my husband looks up at the map and he's like, Oh my gosh, that's not in your 30 mile radius. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, Oh, please just let me go for experience. So I went up there for the day and had a beautiful interview and came back and continued business as usual, working that <laughs> weekend factory job while raising three little babies. And, um, the one day I got called into work for a meeting of some sort and it wasn't my day to work. So we, I found somebody to watch the kids and I went to my meeting and came back and my husband worked nights at the time. So he, he was home when I got back from the meeting or up with the kids when I got back from the meeting. And he's like, I just was sobbing. I was bawling and crying. And he's like, what happened? What happened? And I said, I no longer have a job. Like they are, they are shutting down. We don't, we need this money for, to raise our babies. And they're telling me, I don't need to come to work anymore. They don't need me. And he said, oh my gosh, Janie, you would not believe what just happened. He said, while you were gone, shall I call and offer you a job? And to this day, I'm just like in awe over the fact, like God knew that I wasn't going to take this job that was outside of my 30 mile radius <laughs> on that map. And unless he closed that other door for me. And that still just gives me goosebumps to think like he actually plucked me and placed me where I needed to be. And I just feel mm. so grateful for that. So clearly evident that that is so accurate to for anybody listening because you did not belong working in anywhere other than with children 
And I'm so glad that our paths crossed. And in fact, Janie, am I accurate in thinking that you and my husband came at the same time where you we did. Yes. Yes. We were hired. It, I get, yes. We were hired at the same time. We, we, yeah, had all of those meetings together for my very first job. I was so nervous and I just kept, kept looking at him going, Oh my gosh, you, you're so young. <laughs> and, here I, and here I am this really old lady, like with three kids. <laughs> and really I had a three-year-old, a four-year-old and a six-year-old. <laughs> But, you know, just looking at your husband, it was like, oh my gosh, I'm so old. Well, <laughs> so he was a baby, but so were you um, raising babies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and this is what's so fun about our profession and, and the, the opportunity to impact one another is here you had this door closed and opened right at the same time. And I love how you frame that, that it's like, you know, I was never going to take that job because it was out of that 30 mile radius unless this door had been closed. And now here we sit, um, you know, my husband has, I think, educated all of your children. Yes, he has. He's probably got bigger insight on them than I do at times, you know, back in the days. <laughs> oh, because that's right. That's, it takes a village. And so that's really cool because it's a wonderful cycle because now here you are having such a major influence on ours. And it's just so cool to realize that connection. And I guess I hadn't really been so mindful of what that means to me to be connected to you in that way. And knowing now that, you know, this podcast is just truly a God-given journey of mine. And now people get to hear his impact in your life. It's just so cool. So connected, aren't we? We are just so connected. We are. And so, you know, you've had this 17 years and I know you said you love it and we do. Educators, you're in it, you know, you have a passion and you're in it for a reason. What do you think is a thing or one or two things that you think has kept you loving it for 17 years? I am who I am. And and there's so many times where people just say, oh, wow, you're so good at that. And you know what? I don't pretend to be anybody but who I am. I just have to be who I am and stay on the mission of what is in my heart. Um I love being with children because they just are so eye-opening. They say what they want to say. They do what they want to <laughs> do. And you know what? They, they're such a great example for us because we need to live more in the moment. And I think we are so, as adults, just so structured to get everything done in a certain amount of time. And, and sometimes it's just kind of freeing to just be a kid. Don't we all want to just be kids? Um, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I know. If I could just fly it all back and just be a kid for life. And, and in many ways, that's what I get to do. Yeah. I get to be a five-year-old forever because I get to be in their moments. So that's what keeps it alive for me. Um, and I also love the idea of like just leading them to the learning and um, in embracing who they are and hoping that they find the love of learning with me. You know, like I'm their first exposure to school. Mm -hmm. So I, I want to kind of like bring them in and embrace them. And, and I hope that they fall in love with what we have going on. Well, so. I've already shared my own personal experience that you totally did that with my child. I mean, you transformed her from start to finish at the end. It was such a, and still remains is so important for us. And I'm thinking back to all of the things that you so clearly and strategically did. It's not like 
you know, I love you how you say, well, I'm just, I can only be me, but there's pieces of you that could be, if you were like replicated <laughs> across the country. <laughs> I don't you, know. Oh, truly. That's scary. <laughs> no, no, it's true. Then we'd have a lot of frog love and shine and Janie's, but. Oh my God. You know, the truth oh. is that there's things that you do that might just come naturally to you after 17 years of doing it, but it's not, not everybody has the fortification and the focus that you have. And I want to illustrate one point on that. And you and I have a mutual friend. And it's in fact, she's like what? my one friend that I've ever had <laughs> yes. is Jenny. And she and I have spoken about you in, you know, like honor behind your back. You and I got connected through her, but she is also an educator and she was one of your partners. And, and Janie, she has said like for the longest time, it was so hard because she moved away. And she said, I don't feel like I'll ever have another Janie. And so it's not just the students that you impact, it's your colleagues. And it, and you know what, I will never have another Jenny either. So I feel <laughs> exactly the same way, like thinking of her in those moments we had together. And, and I know we did some teen teaching for just one year and she was there for a few years after, um, I miss her and, and she mm. really brought me to the forefront. I'm kind of quiet and, and shy in my own way. Um, humble, <laughs> you know, and, oh, yes. and so then when she would, she'd say these things about me and I'd be like, who are you talking about? <laughs> you know, just kind of like, I don't know. Like I just am just being me and I don't know how else to explain it. And I love it because a common sister that saw you kind of helped you see yourself maybe a little more clearly in that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Cause I kind of was like, Oh, I, I can kind of show others what, what this is all about and help bridge that. Like my experience will help bridge some of those newer teachers or younger teachers just stepping into the field. Like I have experience I can share with you. Yes. And okay. So another thing that I wanted to just share with you is kindergarten is no joke. (laughs) (laughs) Have you been in there before? (laughs) I mean, here's the thing. I was a kindergartner once and then I was a jerk secondary teacher that was like, you know, I just remember having conversations with a elementary teacher and he's like, you just have no idea what it takes to, to educate the, you know, the, these kids. And I was like, well, you don't either. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like we have our different burdens and our challenges and our triumphs. Right. But I never fully understood a kindergarten classroom until I was a, you know, a principal and a supervisor of one. And so then I was seeing it and just then also just using new eyes. And now that I've got my own children, just of course, from my own slice through those experiences, but also supervising classrooms. And I, you know, I sub principals, I love going to the kindergarten classrooms, but especially at the beginning of the year, it's just all so much about systems and and getting them used to structure that they haven't. And there's just this wide open gap of (laughs) preparation, I'm sure. Unknown. an unopened gap of unknown (laughs) because I just finished my first week. Like I just got done with my first four days with students. And honestly, Raleigh, I can tell you that on Tuesday, my very first day at noon, I was ready to call my husband and say, is it okay if I quit today? (laughs) Because there are so many times where like you, you just, you start over every year. Yeah. You start over. And in your mind, you just don't think that is going to happen. Every year, I tend to forget. <laughs> and so you do. I, I'm teacher tired. You know, I've, I've put in four days this week with five-year-olds who some have had experience to school, but 
Some have not. And it's long days for them. And how do you string them along, you know, and, and, and still keep it fun and exciting for them when they're exhausted and I'm exhausted. And so every year I think it's the same story. Like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm almost anxious to start. And then I get nervous too. I am a kindergartner. <laughs> you know, when, whenever I start, I look at those little faces and I'm like, I feel exactly like you feel today. Like, uh, it's, it's big. It's big. Well, there is that old adage that over time, the educators take on the characteristics of the kids they work with. And it's fairly <laughs> true. It's totally is every place I go. If, if there's a conversation with somebody where, whether it be in the um, supermarket or if we're out for dinner and I have a conversation with someone, they can feel that I'm a kindergarten teacher. And I'm like, is that written <laughs> on me? Like, did someone write K teacher on me someplace? Um, so yep, I become my students and I think that's what makes me also relate with them so well, you know, just, I, I can feel what they feel for sure. There's a real beauty in that. And what I really love since you were willing to share that vulnerable piece about just, (laughs) it's like Groundhog's Day, right? Like (laughs) just being like, oh my gosh, I want you to do me a favor and peel back some more layers for my listeners who don't have either they're not in education or they have such a different role. They haven't thought about this particular piece. What are some of the things that you have to do to prepare to welcome the students back? Because I know you said you're four days with the kids, but I know for a fact that your work didn't start on Tuesday. Oh, no. My work started like when I first got my class list back in May. <laughs> so just yes. when you first get your class list and you're like, okay, who are these little people? And um, what is their backgrounds? And who are they with? And how big is their family? And you know, cause, cause really I pick them up where their families, we we're working together at this moment, but I am picking them up and taking them from the place that they're at when we first meet. So depending upon their experiences and their backgrounds and, and things like that. So I'm always kind of digging around and trying to figure out who they are before I even meet them. And then I dig around and find out what do they love, you know, like little surveys that I send to them. So, so I can have those conversations with them. And this year I have three boys in my class that love frogs, which is so funny because I hate to even say this out loud, (laughs) but I don't really love frogs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, if Adele listens to this podcast, we're in trouble. Can I go back and just tell you this story? I'm totally going to take you on a different little path, but can I tell you? I'm so excited to hear it. Yes. (laughs) Can I tell the story of frogs? Okay. All of my students believe that I love frogs and I do let them believe that. Um, And many parents over the years, over the 17 years, now when they see a frog, it's so funny because when a parent sees a frog, they'll say, oh, I thought of you. (laughs) So it's not just the students. It's also all of my parents who think of me when they see frogs. But the reason this frog came about was because um, we had a little shop in Shell Lake here when I first started teaching. It was a little toy shop. And um, I really wanted a puppet. I wanted a puppet that a kid that the kids could connect to. So if they felt uncomfortable with meeting me, and it kind of was my buffer too in the beginning, kind of like, okay, if 
if they can't connect with me, because I wasn't quite sure how this was going to go, then at least they could connect with this little fuzzy friend that I have. (laughs) So I go to this little toy shop, which was in town. And the only puppet they had was a frog. (laughs) So here I am buying this frog that I'm thinking, okay, you know, you're going to roll with this girl. (laughs) And he has become like, I don't know, like I said, everybody thinks that I'm in love with frogs because of this puppet that I came to be. It was another God thing, I guess. (laughs) You know, it's just the fact that there was only a frog there. And Froggy has become my my little birthday puppet and my little way to connect with kids. And, and now even on the first day of school, I had a second grader run into my classroom as she's headed down to second grade and, and hand me a little frog brooch. And just, she's like, I thought of you this summer. And her mom's like, yep, she picked that up at a thrift sale. You know, it's just like, I'm proud of that all the time. So I totally took you on a whole different tangent, but I had to clear up the frog thing. (laughs) Oh, I love it because I'm pretty sure I described you as frog loving. (laughs) Yeah, I think you did. (laughs) And you know what? I've learned to love frogs because other people love my frog. (laughs) So yeah, I have these three little boys that are always catching frogs. And even within our first four days, they're like, oh, I'm going frog hunting tonight or, you know, just make it, trying to keep those connections. And that's truly what it's all about. Education is all about making connections and building relationships with people, whether it be yes. your students or your parents. So yeah, sorry, I totally took us, <laughs> took us for a ride. <laughs> I love it. I it, I learned something new. It's so wonderful. And and it's such a good insight because, if, you know, I asked you about how you prepare and, and you went way back and that's good because it there's so much that goes into thinking about it. And you, even in that conversation, you didn't pre-plan that, but you were talking about how you're trying to get your kids to connect with you. And it was through this puppet. And, uh, you know, how cool is that? It's such a cool little legacy. And I, I'm pretty sure that we've Every time we see frogs, it's always Mrs. Lefave in yep. our house. So yes, I'm sure it is. <laughs> I feel like I can't pull back the veil on that, but I love it because it it goes um, to also illustrate that what you just said is the relationships that you make with not only the students but the community, the parents, and it's really a beautiful legacy. Truly, um, to be a teacher. Truly, I you know I am in love. This is my school family, and I talk to them as if they are my school family, and they become so big in my heart. I just already I'm in love. You know, after I said on Tuesday I wanted to quit, on Friday I am so in love with what I have and what I'm doing that I can't even believe what I said on Tuesday. (laughs) Like, really, you said that? But it's such a good point because anybody that's listening can obviously tell that you just have the biggest heart and love and passion for your job. But we also know that it's hard work. It's hard work and it's hard work to be an educator. And you pour so much of yourself into it. You know, like you said, way back in in May when you're a detective, you're doing detective work and stalking the families. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, in a, in the kindest way, right? <laughs> totally. Way. I'm, yes. I'm not doing drive-bys, or you know, <laughs> oh, just being so respectful of them. But yes, because you have to know who's coming your way and and be prepared for them and and welcome them with open arms. I think that's that's my biggest mission is I want everybody to feel welcomed with open arms. Um, we're all unique. We're all special, and we all have gifts to share. And I want to embrace whoever you are. 
So I want to also be really clear too, that you don't have to do that, but that's what makes you such an incredible teacher, Janie. And that is what makes me completely in awe of you and truly what makes you so powerful for the students that you'd have a second grader on the first day of school when they could be thinking about any other thing to bring you that brooch because you were on their heart over the summer. And not, let's be fair and honest, not every educator is so meticulous about building those connections. And and it is beautiful that you do that. So I am in awe of you, lady. You do a great job. And I... And I totally did not think I had an awe-inspiring story to share. And um, I thank you for like inviting me to do this because I always just think I just need to be me. And I'm so soft about who I am that I don't know that anybody else really wants to hear what I'm doing, you know? Well, and you and I have had conversations over the years, just briefly, because, you know, like I was a crazy principal who could barely keep my stuff together. <laughs> yeah, probably the mom was like, wasn't returning any of the paperwork. <laughs> but I was worse. I don't recall that. I was worse but... last year, but okay. Anyway, um, I guess we, we've had some conversations and, you know, like your role too has changed the expectation for kindergarten teachers in regard to curriculum and instruction and assessment has changed in these 17 years. Is there anything you'd like to, you know, peel back about that? Huge, huge. Have we ever had this? Wow. <laughs> when I think back to when I first started teaching 17 years, I mean, yeah, that seems like a lifetime ago, but really not, you know? Um, the expectations for kindergartners were play and socialize and gosh, maybe learn your letters and maybe write your name and um, exposure to reading. And we went from that to having, honestly, when I first started in Shell Lake, there were no, there was no curriculum. Mm -hmm. There was no curriculum for reading or math or writing. And over the past, I would say 10 to seven to 10 years, we have had a huge change, a huge swing that said academics, 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 and um, finding ways to keep that fun and that pure, simple joy of being a kid in the classroom while introducing them to reading and writing and math and having all this curriculum coming at you as an educator too, to sweep out to students. It has been you know, just such a change in my mind. But I am excited to say that I think we're swinging back as we know that as educators know, we tend to swing back and forth. (laughs) The pendulum. Yeah, here it comes again. I'm finally catching the beginning (laughs) again. Um, I think we're kind of moving towards play-based again. I think we're finding like Oh, social skills are huge. And we kind of let that drop as we moved into academics and, and watching these kids kind of struggle with their social skills. Um, so I'm hoping that, that schools recognize how important it is that kids just be kids and really play is their work. Um, I think it's Fred Rogers that says that. <laughs> and there's a quote from him about their work. And it is true. Five-year-olds need to play. And I have to say, this year I have a mission within myself to give my students 30 minutes of play each day. And I want to start it off with 30 minutes. So I'm not saying, oh, when you get that work done, then we might play. I want them to actually walk into my classroom in the morning 
and start their day off with socializing and start their day off with problem solving and play. And, and that is their work. I, and I've tried it out a little bit this week and you don't know how difficult it is for me who has been, I've been in both situations. And, um, what I found myself doing this week is, oh my gosh, those kids over there are having an argument about who's going to be the mom in the dramatic play area or who's going to get to use the marble roll first. I have two marbles and I feel like, oh my gosh, it'd be so much easier for me to take that away from you and have you sit down in your seat and we can do math and reading and writing. But really the social skills is number one. You know, they have to work through that and be able to communicate with each other. And so I'm, I'm letting myself go back to my beginning of teaching and just kind of letting them work through the things that they need to work through and the reading and the writing. Don't tell my district. (laughs) You know what? I think that, I think that's going to come, you know, I think it comes naturally just through exposure. Like it's (laughs) been 17 years ago, exposing and, and letting them play with it um, and not be so rigid with it. I shouldn't probably say this out loud. No, no, because here, let's let's make you feel comfortable again. Because okay. look at the look at the words we have, right? So I was thinking about all of the things that we have on educators. You know, all of these. So we we talked, yes, accountability, and you've got reading and math, and you've got students being assessed and benchmarked, and all of this. You know, in the academic realm, but then we've got this whole. Um, wave and push for social emotional learning. And, you know, of course we look at how we teach behaviors, but we know with our trauma informed practices that students are, they need that, um, stability and that structure and that teaching. And also then you've got this whole other aspect of the, the lack of empathy that we see coming through the research with people like Dr. Michelle Borba because of the technology with our, our generation alpha students. And I know that you're seeing that. So they're not interacting as much, um, you know, in yeah. preschool age. And so I think that you are right on target in terms of making sure that you're providing those opportunities as well, because that's got to set them up for success too. They're, I mean, you're dumped into this world with, uh, you know, 20 times the amount of kids that they're probably ever used to being around. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can't just expect that they can do the math and the and the reading and not do the the social stuff. So I'm proud of you. Way to be a renegade. It's, yeah, thank you, Sarah. Because I'm part of me is like, okay, I could easily just jump right back to the academic world, and I'm this is my focus. This will be my mission, and I will commit myself to one year just to see where it takes them. Hmm. Definitely dedicated to it. Oh, no. Nope. It'll all come in, but I just want this to be purposeful for them. I want to give them those opportunities instead of me waiting. And we've always played in kindergarten. It's not like I have said to my students in all of the years of education, like, we are not playing. You know, I've always allowed them to play. We tend to save our play for the end of the day. Hmm. We tend to say work first. And if you get that done, then you can play. Yeah. And and really it should be reversed. We are five year olds, or they are five year olds. <laughs> I'm not, but they are. <laughs> and they're five year olds and play is their work. So let's work them through first through play mm-hmm. and then let's go through the rest of it. And yeah, they're exposed to reading and writing, and I still have all of my curriculum and I have 
you know, all my benchmarks to gather and that will all get done. I just want to make sure that I am setting them up for success at the beginning of their day. And then that's awesome. we'll carry through. So that's, that's my new mission for this year. Anyway, we'll see, have to check back in with me and see how it's going. Oh, I'll be checking <laughs> back in for sure. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love it. And, you know, I was thinking too, just some of the recent, you know, research and information that I've been reading is this idea about activating the brain uh, from students that have been in trauma, which is honestly the majority of of us, you know, and knowing that that play and that endorphins and getting to the heart and building relationships and making connections is the way that you're going to activate their brain to come to the learning. So it seems to me like you've got a nice research-based reason to continue that practice. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? I didn't even do all the research. It's just me being me. It's, it's just, yeah. And, and I do, you know, I'm, I'm good with keeping up with the current times, but but it's like, I just can feel like this is what, this is what our society needs. And, and you know what, it's probably God's gift. It, it truly is God's gift that he just shows me exactly where I need to be in which moment. So I'm blessed. You are <laughs> blessed and therefore you multiply those blessings. And I'm so grateful that you're out in this world and that I get to share you with my community. And I, I will talk to you forever, but you know that I have a cutoff time. So I'm going to ask you the two <laughs> standard questions, Janie, that I ask everybody on this podcast, and I can't wait to hear your answers. Um, so oh boy. <laughs> well, you're such a wise, you really are a wise person. And so if you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what do you think you would say? I would say to myself, be who God intended you to be. You know, the gifts that you have within you are make, they make you, you. So share your gift. Don't be afraid of your gift and go with it. Be who you are. So that's what I would say. So many times I think I second guess myself of who are you? It's within me. And I tend to shine the brightest when I just am who I am. I love it. When you, especially when you admit that you don't actually love frogs. I love this. So the other question, how about anybody who finds themselves in a pit of fear or doubt for any real reason? Uh, Maybe they want to take a risk in their classroom and do something that they feel like might not be super supported, or maybe they are interested in building relationships and being more depth filled with their, you know, students, or maybe they just haven't seen their own worth and they just need to hear Janie's voice right now. What is it that you think you could say? I guess what I would say is, again, just, you have to be true to who you are and you could close the door (laughs) as you try out those things that you've never tried before. (laughs) Because sometimes I do, you know, I just close the door and say, I need this moment. I need this moment to figure this out and, and, um, take a chance on it. Um, take a chance on life. That's, that's what I want to say. Take a chance, be in your moments, but take your chance. And as I leave every day, as I leave my students, my biggest mission or message to them is to shine on. That is the biggest message. I just want everybody to shine on. 
just remember that your your life can shine bright too. It's just one of my favorite messages and it has so many applications. And so thank you so much, Janie, for sharing your light with us, with my community. I just know they're going to love you as much as I do. And the good news is that I get to keep seeing you as often as possible. So that's good news for me. But I know listeners uh, will want to engage with you. Are you open to them connecting with you if they have any particular questions? I am here. Here I am. <laughs> Wonderful. So, so make sure to... to provide some communication link in the show notes. But Janie, I just wanted to thank you so much for stepping out of your comfort zone and trusting me with this interview and for sharing your beautiful light with the in community. This has been such an inspiring interview and I really, really appreciate you. Thank you, Sarah, for pulling me a little bit. I needed a little nudge, a little pull. (laughs) And thank you for bringing me into the light. I appreciate you. You are so welcome. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.